2: you're listening to black girl blueprint
3: because black girls did it first and honestly better
2: period period
3: (laughs) hi everyone and welcome to black girl blueprint your faith podcast for all the gen z black girl tea my name is lauren And my name is McKean and
2: thanks y'all for tuning into today's episode. We have a great conversation. I just feel it in my bones lined up today. (laughs) We have a very special guest. Welcome Kai McIntyre with us today. We're going to be getting into a tea about fashion and what it's like to be a designer and just like dope in our age, which is something that I feel like we don't always see. So that's I'm very excited for that.
3: Yes, I'm so, so hyped to learn, honestly, all the amazing things that Kai can offer about her expertise, all the tea about the fashion industry, the iconic prom dress, how she got her start. There's so, so much that we have to talk about today. So Kai, why don't you begin by just introducing yourself? Let us know a little bit about you. Go ahead, girl. Sure. (laughs) Well,
4: my full name is Kaima McIntyre, but you guys can totally call me Kai, K-Y-E. Um... And I'm from East Orange, New Jersey. I went viral with my prom dress when I was 17. And I'm 23 mm. now. So yes. it's, been, it's been five years <laughs> since then. And um, it feels like 20. <laughs> I believe it is. But, um, I mean, it's really interesting the, the way, um, I mean, the, the way the world is now. And the headspace that I've kind of always been. I think people are now beginning to realize how um, powerful clothing is, which is really, Mm -hmm. because I mean, I think we always knew the power of of clothing, but, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm from East Orange, New Jersey, which has always been the seed of my inspiration. Um, East Orange, New Jersey is full of the African diaspora. When I say we have everybody yeah. here, everyone is here. Um, so many people from the islands, so many people from Africa and so many people from the UK. And so I, I find myself in a space where um I can never recognize black people as being simplistic or being of one. We are just Mm. so, you know, we're just in the multitudes and I grew up, you know, we um, had international day in school and everybody, I didn't get a chance to like rep a flag because being someone who doesn't really know exactly where her roots lie, um, Mm -hmm. You know, always kind of was surrounded by people who would bring, you know, the Jamaican flag or the Trinidadian flag. And I found that to just yep. be so beautiful and so inspiring. And um, I knew that I was interested in fashion, believe it or not, in kindergarten.
3: Mm, really? <laughs> Period. In kindergarten. That's, what's
4: up? Like, it's so funny the way, like, spirit, you know, speaks to us. I was in, yes. um, we had to wear uniforms. And I just was not with it. Like, I could not understand why they wanted me to dress like the person next to me. Like, what was this whole concept about? And I think at that age, at the age of five or six, I was like, we're literally in the system. You know, we don't have mm-hmm. much of a choice here. And I know it was school and blah, blah, blah. But it was still like, isn't it supposed to be where I like express myself and show myself? And I found myself being so confined. And it honestly just felt like every day was the same
2: that's such a special way to put it. Like, I wore a uniform and it's so like restricting. It's it mm-hmm. does it that way. When you said it makes every day feel the same, like I felt that. Like you lose track of like you don't even remember what you wore last week because like I wore the same outfit. Like I have exactly. never like exactly. the growth is like limited. Yeah, I oh, definitely I feel that. And really I mean, I, mean, I it. get.
4: You know, the thing is like, oh, it, it lessens bullying. Blah blah blah. And i was just like, kids are going to bully regardless because of the society that we're in. Like, it's so Got funny. It. Mm-hmm. Like, we think that children bully other children because they're children. It's like, no, it's the society that they're learning from. So at the exactly. end of the day, whether you were wearing, like, a polo shirt from Arapastel or a polo shirt from, you know, some other unnamed brand so they were going to mm-hmm. pick on you whether you were in uniform or not. And I just felt like it was all such a, I think, I thought it was a lazy way of approaching bullying. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I would do all it kinds really of things like wear like a silk shirt versus a polo shirt or like my mom, like my mom would be able to tell you best. Like she, we used to go at it because I'm like, mom, I cannot wear this same thing every single day. I just could not. And it's so funny how I had that, like those, those um, moments of conflictions at that age. And Mm. it kind of grew into this huge tree today where I'm like, I refuse to conform. I can't (laughs) anybody else's definition. So Mm-hmm. Um, it started right there with um uniforms in um
2: kindergarten <laughs> period wow that's I can't wait to get more into that that was amazing mm-hmm. like and that's such an interesting way of thinking about it like it is a lazy if you really wanted to address bullying there's 10 other options to do it except beyond li- limiting like kids creativity in the one way that kids are like learning to express themselves like even when you're little and like The idea of like, I get to dress, like I get to pick out my outfit today, like little kids love it and it might look crazy, but that's like how an identity within fashion comes to be. So that's, that's so special. But before we get like into it, into it, which I can't (laughs) wait for, we just wanted to do our little read the room segment. And this is a segment that we open every episode with. So Lauren, why don't you tell us what we got today? What we chatting about? Right.
3: I love the Read the Room segment. It's just a time to just (laughs) talk about all the funny tweets I honestly see on Black Twitter and everything that's popping off. So for anybody who's new here, our Read the Room segment is just a little time at the beginning of the show where we honestly just chat about some things that are going on in pop culture, Black Twitter, Always Fair Game, some tea about our personal lives when McKean and I become a little bit more interesting. We'll be getting into that. (laughs) Um, For real. Just like any topics that people want to send in. So the first thing on the agenda, something that McKeen and I were actually talking about last week, that we thought would be so funny or like good to talk about, also <laughs> just for a read the room segment, is basically started with a tweet. I think is where the whole idea came mm-hmm. from. But there was a viral tweet going around where people were asking if you would rather have eight billion dollars or if you would rather have dinner with Jay Z. And there were a lot of people who were saying that they would <laughs> rather have the dinner with Jay Z. Instead of the money, and we just wanted to talk about that and kind mm-hmm. of you know the two sides to that coin. So, McKean, mm-hmm. expand a little bit more for us all.
2: Uh, honestly, okay, if you asked me this four years ago, I probably would have said dinner with Jay Z without question, without any thought on it, because in my head, I was like, yes, like you have to be in the room to like stay in the room, like maybe he'll give me the tips, da 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 da, like. You know, the sort of like concept of, you know, if I want to grind and if I wanna hustle and like, you know, Jay Z's concept of like, I'm gonna bring up the people around me. I was just like, Yes, yes, yeah I could I can subscribe to that. But I'm also now I'm like, what you Lauren actually before the call, Lauren brought up this tweet
3: where she was like did. the tweet said, wait, tell what did the tweet say, Lauren? It was it was imagine you pick dinner with Jay Z over a million dollars and then he tells you no business talk at dinner and then it was <laughs> I was like, but period, but the straight facts, because every time I saw those dinner with Jay-Z tweets, I was always like, okay, I see what you're talking about. You know, like McKeith said, you got to get in the room, you got to network, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But what makes you think, first of all, what specifically can Jay-Z tell you in terms of insight that you can't find out online? for free with your million dollars (laughs) or at least with
2: eight million dollars for a course exactly like
3: you know (laughs) there's online courses that you could take for this but also what also makes you think that jay-z wants to network like people be like oh yeah i'll just slide him my mixtape and then i'll be good to go like jay-z might not like your music (laughs) jay-z might be like actually right now no kai what do you think (laughs) what What is what is your opinion (laughs) on this i you know what
4: um I thought about it for half a second. And I'm going with the money.
3: <laughs> Period. <laughs> like, no, it's not even. Honestly,
4: it's not even a hard like decision in my opinion. Like mainly, I guess it's just because um, I'm not fascinated with being in the room. Like I'm just mm-hmm. like whether it's a room full of black pioneers or white pioneers or whatever. Like I just can't. I think especially coming from a generation where we don't really have, like, quote-unquote leaders, I find Mm -hmm. it really easy to, like, see myself as a mogul, you know? I Mm -hmm. I find it really Mm -hmm. easy to see myself saying, actually, like, why don't I just gather all my friends and we can create our own room? You know what I'm saying? Yes. We're looking for it. You know, and Mm -hmm. I think even Joey Badass had a quote, he said, because um, in regards to Jay-Z, a while back when he was, like... um, um, why would I sign to Jay-Z when I'm trying to be Jay-Z? You know? And I think mm. like that's kind of the attitude. I mean, it's a little bit of ego, right? But it's that's right. just
3: the level. Oh, of ego p- never hurt?
4: You know, just a little bit, a tad bit. Right. Because
3: like at this point, <laughs> eight million, you know what I could do with eight million? Not eight million, $8 million. $8 billion. Eight billion dollars. Billion. 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 People were like, dinner with Jay-Z, no question. So I'm I'm okay, with no. you, guys. How much the dinner cost? Oh, I could buy the dinner. I am Jay-Z. <laughs> I <laughs> I literally imagine There was another tweet that was like, imagine with Jay Z just leaves you with the bill. Exactly. Is <laughs> that what you're gonna do?
2: That's what hey, I need hey.
3: go. I'm start washing dishes in the
2: back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Dreaming about that eight billion dollars. <laughs> terrible but i mean honestly the word to like imagine ourselves as a mogul like that was you just come with the gems like that was a great way to like I mean, sometimes you have to and actually earlier i was reading an interview between so random but i was reading an interview between laura harrier and halle berry and they were talking about lena horn as an actress this is so random but they're talking about like what it was like to be lena horn when you didn't see any black women on screen before yourself and, like, how it felt to embody, like, being the representation, like, that you didn't have. And, like, yeah. what that means. It was just such a profound conversation. And, then like, you you know, for Halle Berry to be the first Black woman to win an Oscar. And then for Laura Harrier to be, like, this sort of new wave of, like, Black young actresses. It was just, I recommend yeah. that you read it. It was, I think it was for VMAG, but I'm not really sure. Or Vanity Fair. But anyways, it also kind of makes me think about, like, this new debate about, You know, with the rise in, like, support of Black-owned businesses, there's also the debate of, like, well, I would buy Black-owned businesses, but they cost too much. Or, like, I would, you know, like, what makes Telfar, like, a luxury business? Like, you know, you know, those types of people, Mm -hmm. like, because it's Black-owned, why it got to be expensive? And, like, even when Fenty, like, when Rihanna's, like, luxury, quote, you identified luxury brand came out, people were like, why does it cost a luxury price? But also then like yeah the debate about what luxury means and like i'm just curious to hear your thoughts on all of that
4: as mm, go if, ahead kai as if black designers cannot be luxurious it, it blows my mind first of all like i find myself in multiple tiers everything from luxury to to seeing people on the bus wearing my t-shirt that's just the way i'm mm. coming at it, you know what i'm saying it's an umbrella like society is so much more than a top tier and honestly i'm kind of over that fashion lens Especially, Mm. like, because I wasn't born in the hills of Hollywood. Like, you know what I mean? So, it never Mm, really interested me. But um, in regards to people's, like, dissatisfaction with something like Fenty, it blows my mind that they can't recognize, first of all, her worth. And then, second of all, why would you, why would you even, um, like, why are you questioning her price? Like, I just don't, Mm -hmm. like... It's so. It's like it's almost like we're taking the worth right out of designers' pockets, like right out of their mouth. Like I just, I'm trying not to get frustrated because I know people have done that. Yeah, to for me. real, my, my pieces are not, in my opinion, my pieces are not super expensive. Like I think they're quite affordable. People are mm. like, oh, you no, know, you just started out. You're so young, da da da. And I'm like, well, you know what Labor I'm saying. Don't this is what age. I mean, <laughs> Exactly, right. but you know, honestly, you guys. We have to also remember, like, we have entered an age of fast fashion. Like, the past 20 years has been fast fashion, right? And I think mm-hmm. it, I would say the 90s was maybe the last real age of like luxury brands kind of like taking over, um, especially mm-hmm. because we didn't, we don't have like, at one point, fashion shows you had to be invited to, you had to sit in. It was not online, you know, it wasn't for the mass mm-hmm. public. So now we have a situation where everybody has an opinion. Everybody can access these items and it just doesn't feel very secluded anymore. And I'm, for many reasons, I'm excited about that. But what it's mm. done is it's given people um, this idea that just that clothing has the same source. And what I'm, the reason why that is, is because people don't think about where clothing is even being sourced from. You know what I mean? Like, you buy an H&M mm-hmm. shirt for $12, you have no idea who made that shirt. You know, you have no idea right. who, what they got paid to make that mm-hmm. shirt for mm-hmm. $12. And so we, don't, yeah. we aren't really, like, talking about the value of clothing. So for me, like, I'm sitting here at my, my machine and sewing for eight hours just to get that seam right. You know what I mean? So right. it's like that versus um, an assembly line of workers who are getting paid 40 cents.
3: You know,
2: right.
4: mm-hmm. batch of T-shirts right. making is a totally different um, value system, and it's—I don't even know if it's the customer's fault. I think it's the way that the fashion mm. system has been run. You know what I mean? And I think that yep. is ultimately what people have fallen into. That's definitely,
2: definitely. wow. I think also like with the whole telltale trend, I would love for your thoughts on that because you did mention you're excited about like in some ways this ability to gain access to luxury and like to witness it even if you're not buying it yourself like just to, to watch a brand form like I know I'm not buying no Feds, <laughs> not at this point in my life but like yeah. I'm gonna watch what they put out and like I you know because social media is like at my fingertips I'm, I can share my opinion and never consider purchasing but also right. it's for Telfar to like have this brand of like not for you for everyone and like to also be like we're luxury but we're for everyone I'm just so curious of, like. What excites you about, like, this moment in fashion? Like, what do you think about that? All
4: right. So I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I, tr- I watch the films that they put out, and I'm having a hard time, like, understanding it. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm like, and I've never really followed Telfer. Like, and I, I'll, I'll be honest, like, I never really follow like, any fashion brands. That's just the way that mm-hmm. I am. I'm inspired by literally everything else. But um, I tried to watch it, and I was just like, what is this? I don't particularly understand. At the end of the day, like,
2: mm-hmm.
4: at the end of the day, we can talk about luxury, and we can talk about for everyone, but if it isn't accessible to everyone, then it's not for everyone. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, I mean, yep. I'm not, I don't, I don't want to say that they're wrong, or they're not doing it right, because to be honest, I don't understand. I mean, it's the first time really going in this direction. But honestly, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> it's very hard to combine luxury with for everyone. It's just a, a weird right. space because <laughs> we're talking about commodities and exchangement of money for clothing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and luxury as we know is gonna be high priced. So everybody can't buy high priced items.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, that's no that's the T right there, honestly. With like even the redefinition that they're trying to do of luxury. Luxury in and of itself, like what we were talking about with Fenty is, it's basically a bigger conversation of, are these items luxurious or are they more valuable because you have to work to get them? Like is, uh, you know, I don't know what even considered expensive, but like a thousand dollar item, is that Mm -hmm. more valuable or luxurious because I had to save for months to get it versus like a $50 purse that's being, you know, deemed as luxurious or $200 purse that I can just afford off the bat. Is that the same thing? And I think that's what they're trying to figure out.
4: I think it'd be mm-hmm. interesting to replace luxury with valuable.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Because what that does is it changes what the recipe is for that item. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Changes what it, mm-hmm. the definition of the item. Um, <clears throat> in terms of things being luxury or luxurious i don't I don't know if the items that I make are luxurious, you know, but they're valuable mm-hmm. and yes. and, um, that, and that that's the other thing. It's kind of like maybe we have to use new words, maybe we have to and also maybe redefine old words because at this point mm-hmm. um, like I said if if it isn't accessible to, if it's not accessible to everyone, then it's just not it's not, not available everyone. everyone yeah, everyone can't reach it everyone can't access it but I also think that the reason and going speaking on what you just mentioned I think that the reason why and that's the other thing about fashion like (laughs) fashion has a way of using these words um and Mm -hmm. then they are really umbrella terms right they're really terms that when we hear the word we think of images we think of all of these other definitions and so immediately whenever I think of luxury I'm thinking about like you know 100% gold and things that are 15k, you know, things of that mm-hmm. nature, and um, with that in relation to um, black people, or um, I'm going to go even further to say people who are just above the poverty line, um, you have a weird um, gap between these people and these garments. But the reason why they they want these pieces are because they're aspirational. So I think mm-hmm. when I think. Um, luxury, I think about aspiration, and um, I don't know if you guys want to talk about this, but like, I have some opinions on Dapper Dan and the Gucci thing, and I just feel well, like I
2: mean, let's hear it,
4: l- lay it on us, let's go. We're here for like, all of it. I just, <laughs> I just feel, I feel that um, I actually saw him in person. I got a chance mm. to say a few words to him, and what I said, we happened to be in the same fashion show. Um, mm. At Howard University, and wow. I said to him, you know, I, I went, I had a show, and I came before, da, da da And these were my pieces, and I just, I shook his hand and I held his hand and I said, you know, um, we would still support you if you did this without Gucci. And he said, Dang. and that was it. And I think that it's so unfortunate that we had to recognize his value through the lens of Gucci. Dapper mm. Dan is a genius. He did not need Gucci. And it's 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 really interesting because he would not have been able to propel himself had he not been using Gucci logo and the Louis Vuitton logo. And I said to him, right. if you would have just, if you, I'm like, you got your, you're in place. Like everybody knows you. If you replace these logos, all of these European and um, all of these other brands and you put your d on top of that you replace it with your your dd i'd be like we'd be all Mm -hmm. over it because it's ours it's 100 percent ours. and i know that he has this thing of um being in control of the culture being in control of the culture that they try to steal from us and sometimes and Mm -hmm. i think in one of his interviews he mentioned that it's better to be on the branch of the tree that has already started. In my opinion, is well fuck that tree. We need to start a whole new tree. We need to start some new mm-hmm. seeds.
2: All the way over there.
4: Work, and that takes generational mm-hmm. patience. It's going to take you mm-hmm. 100 years to become a heritage brand. Gucci's been around Which for years. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's, it takes a certain level of of um
2: of courage and sacrifice in order to to yes. do that. Amazing, I think that yes, yeah, so we and the thing is when you said we would support you, like we really we want to do it, and we're there, like nobody's gonna carry you like the spending power and like the support behind like the black consumers of fashion, which is black people, period, if they wear clothes, which is like all of us, so, right. yeah, I think that's a great transition. I really want to talk like kind of switching gears a little bit. I really want to talk about your work, and I know you mentioned. You went viral in tw- 2017 with your prom dress. So 2015, excuse me, 2015 with your prom dress. I want to know, like, what that was like. How did that change, like, sort of your life's course, if at all? Like, what did that feel like? What was the behind the scenes like? Yeah. Um,
4: <clears throat> well, it's really interesting because, like I said, I was 17 and I had just... I don't know if I graduated um, high school yet or if we were preparing to graduate, but that was on my mind, this concept of leaving this old town and going to Manhattan and going to my school for fashion. Um, Mm. I originally, so what happened is, is everything that I do is always out of necessity. It's literally so that I can survive. Everything that I create is so that I can survive. And it just so happens that other people need it also to survive. Literally, I refuse. I refuse. As you guys know, from that seed that was planted in kindergarten, now it's a tree (laughs) in high school. I was like, I cannot conform. I cannot wear a pink sparkly dress and and be like, Mm. okay, this is this is beautiful. I'm like, there has to be some other versions of beauty, you know. And um, people people have known me for like wearing my Afro around the city, and that was kind of new for folks. So they were like, oh yeah, the Afro, and I was like, yeah, like that's what your hair looks like too if you let it grow, you know. And so, um, I had already been in this sort of space of like of um uncovering my beauty, uncovering my version of of what beauty could be and what it had already been. so with that being said, um and also i I'm an artist, so I painted all of my
2: life. Is that your work behind you? I know it's a podcast, but thats Actually, beautiful that's amazing. I've been looking at that. <laughs> Thank you yeah, like I I'm
4: obsessed with painting and, um, and, and just visuals, period. So, yeah, I create whatever I feel is necessary to be in the world. And so what, what happened was I felt like the, the people from my city, their version of value did not look like them. So I felt like they thought that whatever was beautiful and whatever was valuable and whatever was worthy of praise was something outside of them. And mm-hmm. I, I wanted to prove just to my local community, especially to the little girls, because we have a toast-off for prom. I don't know if you guys heard of toast-off. No? All right. So, um, so, like, before you go to prom, there's toast-off, and, like, all of everybody from the city comes to, like, your school, and it's, like, a huge audience, and everybody just watches you come oh. in with your date and stuff. It's like I a red like so carpet. Cute. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thankful for that, because that definitely inspired the whole concept. So I was like, I know people are going to mm-hmm. come out, This is my chance to send a message. And so um, specifically to the little girls and even the the young boys at the time. Mm. And I wanted to show them that um, there was a such thing as African beauty and that it could look the way that I had presented it. And so my favorite color is blue. But I Mm -hmm. was so fixated on this being a powerful message that I chose the color red. I know what red does to the psyche. It gets you going. It gets the blood jumping. So I decided yeah, to cool. use red. But, oh, here we are. So going back to the reason why here I like, are. I brought up the whole fact that I'm an artist is because at the time I was going to a lot of art museums um, and I was so fascinated by the Renaissance paintings. So, you know, all of the queen poses when they're like, with their huge yeah. dresses, just like in, 30,000 pounds of velvet and these huge, mm-hmm. you know, corsets, um, these huge skirts and then um, cinched corsets. And I was like, this is so beautiful, but I've never seen a Black person unless they're like holding their shoe up or something. So um, right. I was super inspired by that in, in the sense that it hurt me, but it inspired me to to literally combine that aesthetic, this aesthetic of feminine power, because that's what I saw when I saw these queens. And, you know, mm-hmm. some Forever to paint them, you could tell, and I was like, "This is what majestic is." And I was like, "Okay, so let's combine that with African print." And literally, that's mm-hmm. how the dress together. So it was all about that's femininity, amazing. power, black beauty, and um, you know, this idea of past and, and future combined. And um, yes. it, it ended up being something that people across the world gravitated to. And I think in that moment, and it literally happened in a moment. I was at prom. And my friend came over to me. The same guy who used to tease me came over, and he was like, "Um, "Do you know you're on World Star?" And I'm like, "What's World (laughs) Star?" He was like, "World Star where they post like Chris Brown and all these celebrities." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And I go to it, (laughs) and literally, (laughs) it's like 60k likes, and I'm like, "Oh my god." And, and so my phone is literally beeping to the point where it's like a long beep. It's not even like beep, beep, beep. It's just like <laughs> constant <laughs> beep. And I'm like, my phone off like this is not happening right now. So it honestly felt like a dream. It really, really felt like a dream. And I think I'm going to be 40 years old when it hits me and it's full impact. <laughs>
3: mm, that is so I remember beautiful. seeing that. I, I remember seeing it too. I think we were all so inspired, especially with what you're saying about how you know, you were showcasing a type of beauty that isn't typically shown in that space. And I think that's why it went viral. It's why so many people were inspired by it. It's because you don't see African culture or African beauty represented in those spaces as feminine, as beautiful, as, as you know, pres- like, it's prestigious, exactly. So I think definitely it was so amazing how you decided to step out the box and really create something that wasn't typically shown in that space. And also something that you've been vocal about as well, that Makita and I are absolutely here for, we love it, is, you know, that your design and your art really focuses on representation and on Black empowerment. And we kind of want to talk a little bit with you, you know, about what it has been like to maybe not have that representation and what that's felt like. And also how that's, I guess, more about how that's influenced your designs and what your experiences have been like, even with, you know, your success and your virality, you know, being in those maybe white dominant spaces, or you know how your identity plays into navigating those spaces.
4: Yeah. Mm. Um. <clears throat> so, in 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 regards to navigating these spaces, you know, I like I, I was seventeen, and so I was going from high school into college, which was already a huge transition. Um, and I also left New Jersey to live on campus in Manhattan. So I left my, like, little town to now be in this space where it was literally, you know, huge, um, huge buildings and people are walking, they don't care about you. And it was like, whoa, you know, a very different world. So um, I actually went through multiple transitions and sometimes people forget about that. They're like, oh, you just you went viral. and, And what happened? I'm like, yeah, I went viral, but I also went to college. And I was also dating females at the time. Yeah. And like, just kind of like in a really funny space because I was constantly having to adjust literally on a daily day-to-day basis. My first year of college was the most challenging time of my life thus far. Um, Mm -hmm. There were times, I know you guys wanted to talk a little bit about like, um, me in, in fashion school and that mm-hmm. yes. you know that transition was pretty hectic because my professors just didn't believe that I was doing the things that I was doing I mean I was like hey I have to go to California they want me on this tv show you know New York Times mm-hmm. wants me here they want me here and they're like oh no you need to be here and I'm like listen like this this young black girl is doing big things and you better believe yep. it so it was and a very to um, do it yeah like they just did not, there was a lot of doubt um, coming from even a fashion institute and um, Mm. that on top of um, having to really question my value question my worth and to this day I'm going through that on social media because every time I post anything of mine and it's every time I post on social media I'm constantly Mm. weighing my value because I have to proclaim what it's worth before you know or after anyone comments like what what usually happens and I've, I'm, lear- I'm learning more and more but um and also I think that in like 30 years we're going to be able to look at look back on this social media generation and see mm-hmm. um, its effects on mental health but I yep. was literally in a space where I felt like I had to go so hard y'all I was mm. exhausted I was so, it was, and it's to this day, it's just me and my mom. My mom's my manager. So it's her and I, it's her and I through everything. And, yeah.
2: um, you know, there's- That's was some, so cute, first of all. I love that.
4: Yeah, like, <laughs> it's just like that. It's, that's really just how it is. But I was really struggling because um, I felt like if I didn't put out something that was equivalent to this day, to this day, this is a part of my subconscious. I cannot lie to y'all because people mm. need to hear this. I was going, I literally went from, okay, this is amazing. People love me. People love my design, not designs, Mm. design, period. Cause it was that one design, right? So now I'm like, all right, now I got to do it again and again and again. And it has to be on this level. Um, So you're talking about a 17 year old Mm. juggling college. And by the way, fashion school is not easy, at least not at Parsons, which is the top fashion design school in the world. Um, right. everybody had to sew already I didn't know how to sew yet, so I was kind of like in, in a um I was having to grow at a speed that I've never grown before um, but obviously mm. everything God doesn't give us anything that we can't handle, so I'm alive but yeah like I had to post I had to post every time I posted it had to be like this this um explosive event, and that was a lot of pressure for me and mm. um you know, it's gotten a lot better now, but it's still a part of my psyche now whenever I post something. But at the end of the day, I was juggling my value and other people's idea of me.
2: So, that's um, tough.
4: yeah, you know,
2: was. how it feels like to start college, sorry, not to cut yeah. you off, but to, that's tough. And, you know, you have the accolades almost like you might have more clout than anyone in the room if that's what the measure <laughs> is. But then that like, okay i'm learning how to sew and i'm sure i'm i'm curious to hear even like about first of all congratulations on graduating from parsons that's major yeah that's huge and we're proud of you for that but i'm wondering like what it was like to be in those rooms were there ways that like you were taught to design by them that you have now like that you're out of that space abandoned like were you feel did you feel like forced to design and to think about your designs in a certain way by that school and then also like how did that compare to how sort of social media was sort of wanting you to be like what and then where were you in all of that you know like what was that like
4: yeah so in in those spaces and god it was a space um (laughs) who are you texting
1: my therapist you text with your therapist text video chat call yep
3: We're still gathering, just virtually, and we're still connecting safely. Traditions keep us close, even when we can't be together. Think big, plan small. Let's save lives, Columbus.
4: New space, a total. Literally, I felt like I was in another world, just a completely different. I don't know if you've seen like Parsons, like their classrooms or their um, the the um, University Center. Mm-hmm. It's literally like a spaceship. So I felt, I felt once again, it reminded me of kindergarten where I was like, okay, this is a system. Don't let the system break you. Don't let the system make you. You're navigating. Mm. If anything, you can change the system and you can inspire the system. Don't let it you know, crumble you. But in those spaces, um, there was definitely, the, the way that they taught me was from, from a luxury standpoint. Mm. So the garments that they wanted me to make or for people who had a lot of money. And what that what that meant was it doesn't matter um <clears throat> who has access to these items. It just matters how beautiful they look. And I, that that mm. really was um I was so conflicted with that because I, you know, I thought my prom dress was beautiful, but it was still accessible you know to people from my community mm-hmm. but when I was in that space at Parsons, it was very much so about make sure it's beautiful and make sure it's super neat and make sure it's you know seams are right and now I'll get into that in a second but but <laughs> it was a, it's a very like super prestigious um space and mm-hmm. I'm gonna just run it all the way down okay we'll 60 to 75 percent of the student body are Asians. And as we know, Asia has a fascination with hip hop and black culture. So we're talking about and streetwear. Streetwear mm-hmm. is cute, but it's not necessarily the thing that I'm constantly working on. So I wasn't making streetwear garments yet. Everybody in the room was inspired, you know, by by the music that I listen to on the regular, the, the, um, mm. the way that I wore or whatever. And I was just like, it's so amazing to see, and, uh, amazing in the sense that I was like in awe and kind of a huge culture shock, which is the reason why I went to Parsons. People were like, why didn't you go to an all-Black school? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, because I've been around Black people all my life. Like, I'm trying to see how, you know, what the world is really like. So, and I did. Mm. Um... And being in those spaces, <laughs> I, oh, yeah, being in those spaces um, I found that, so there's a few things. There's the system of the school um, in regards to how you pay for college and um, literally like dorming and very financial aspects of it, which is very capitalistic. Mm-hmm. Although they claim to be more of a um, liberal school, it's not because if you're structuring right system is based on capitalistic ways then that's just what it is and it was all about Mm -hmm. money Mm -hmm. so we're dealing with that which was very depressing for someone who just wants to create a better world literally right so you have that but then you have your professors and you have your students so I'm gonna talk about the professors like I said there was um a huge there was a lot of pressure to make sure everything was perfect I'm not a perfectionist I don't believe we're perfect. I do not believe the world is perfect, so why are we trying to make perfect you know garments mm-hmm. um, i We definitely have we 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 live in a society where um a garment is perfect because you have an assembly line of people making that piece. It's not one person starting from beginning right. to end, you know, so it's a very manufactured machine based process behind the garments that we wear and 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 Mm. when I was in school it was like you know could you see that being in the store and I'm like honestly if I make it it probably won't be in the store so there was a lot of self-doubt because I Mm. wasn't a perfectionist but they wanted me to be a perfectionist but um there was that and then just the the disbelief that I was who I was or um Um, you know, just the the lack of of, of of confidence in what it is that I was doing outside of school. And and that was that was hard to deal with because here I was someone who didn't really know how to sew, and I'm trying to tell my professors that like Tyra Banks wants to meet me. You know, they couldn't they couldn't put mm. the two together. And um, that made me confused as well. And I was like, maybe, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I need to be in school. So it was like constantly. And then there was the whole thing. Maybe you don't need to go to school. You know, you got it already. You're, you're uh-huh. so what my life could have been right. like, had I gone to the fashion school. Um, but I had to make that decision and I did already before I went viral. So I was like, I'm going like, I'm, I've been accepted. Like, this is what it is. Right. But then you have this student body. And I want to just say that, um, I think that the students affected me on the same level that the system did because I was able to like mm. go around the professors because I'm like, oh, they're old, like <laughs> you know what I mean, they're like out of this, touch. yeah, they're just <laughs> out of touch. That was my whole thing about it. But um, with the students, no lie, I'm. I remember, I remember when Donald Trump got elected, and oh my god this being such a liberal school and, you know, mm. people are all about human rights and old oh, fashion and art. So we're creatives, yep, we're, you know, New York, <laughs> right? New York. So I was like, okay, let's see what y'all are really about. So Trump gets elected and everybody's crying. Everybody's like bawling tears. Oh my God. He doesn't care about women rights. He doesn't care about gay rights. And I was just like, how long have you been living in America? And you're just now, I'm like, this is not, this is not new. You know, this is a very right. normal thing. If anything, Trump just puts a face to it. But we've been dealing with this for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> I found myself kind of like, I felt like they disregarded my perspective because had they you, if they would have taken into account what Black people go through in this country, they would not have been in such a shock. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. were just it was mind blowing to me. I was like, wow, people are really sad. Like. I can't, is this how, is this what, like, you know what I mean? Like, white tears look like. And I found myself kind of, um,
0: I found myself in a space of, like, I
4: felt very disconnected from, from the other students. And it was very cliquish. Everybody was rolling up in, like, Rolls Royces and Mercedes, and I was taking the train, you know, from Jersey. Yo. <laughs> and, and so it was like, it was a real life. Um, because if you know anything about Parsons, you know it's about money. And you know those students have money. So they could very well mm-hmm. start a fashion brand today if they wanted to. You know, Fully well, we funded don't, by
2: their mama. Fully yep. really funded. Mm-hmm. Like, oh,
4: we're going to stock the whole store up today. Like that kind of thing. And, um, you know, Gucci slippers in rain. I'm like, girl, what are you doing? Like just very... Just abundant and not caring about the issues of the world. But then Trump got elected. And, and then I saw a bit of a shift. And I was like, okay, people, people care. But this is what it took for them mm. to care. Which t- lets me know that they never really analyzed the state of this country. They never had to deal with right. it before. So that actually inspired me to create one of my paintings called "Making an America. Where oh, um, it's myself... <laughs> because my professor she just couldn't understand we had to do an assignment where we like talked about different we had to choose an issue in the world and like basically work on that issue and some people chose women's rights some people chose gay rights which were usually the top two things that people talked about in the school and i wanted to talk yeah. about racism and gay rights and femininity like the intersectionality of it all because at the time i was dating um a woman at the time. And I was dealing with being the only black girl in the classroom. And then of course, Mm -hmm. like I was a woman. So I felt that triangular effect. I felt all of those pressures on me. She was like, you know, I don't really understand what you're trying. Why are you trying to do? You have to, you have to choose one and what makes you. And I was just like, you don't get it. And so what happened is I felt And my, my biggest um, strength is my, my, Ability to make you feel what I feel through my vision, through my visuals, whether that be a dress design, a suit design or a painting. Um, And so I said, okay, I'm going to create something where you actually can understand on an emotional level, because right now you don't have any empathy. You're just thinking logically. So what happened, what that inspired me to create um, this illustration where it's a woman it's me sewing my hair into the American flag. So it's the sewing machine, the, the American flag. And instead of it being thread, it's her actual Afro being spun around and sewn into the flag. And she looked wow. at me and she was like, I get it. And I was like, wow, this is the power of vision. This is the power of visuals. You know, you can, you can talk to somebody for, for a whole day and they still like, I don't get it, I don't get it. But sometimes it's that one image that shifts their consciousness. And so um, I found myself having to um, constantly um, prove my perspective, (laughs) which is so exhausting. Um, Prove who... And when I say prove my perspective, I mean literally prove my existence. Because Mm. people didn't understand... That my everyday life was so hard to go through. You know, folks were like, oh, my hair is a hot mess. And, and it's just like, they put it up into like a ponytail. And it's like, oh, I'm having a bad hair day. And I'm like, girl, you don't know what a bad <laughs> hair day is it's like. You know what I mean? And it's like <laughs> tiny things like that, that shifts my whole day. And I'm like, just in this space where I felt like an astronaut on Mars. Yeah. Like, And the people on Mars were living without the astronaut suit and were just like, you know, yeah, we like the air on here. And I'm like, I can't breathe. Like, you know, literally. So um, Mm -hmm. I felt like a speck in a large like pot of water in that school. But it literally made me stronger. It made me um, push harder in my vision and it made me it made me not only understand people, because once again, we can't always blame people. We have to really look at the system because the system mm-hmm. makes it easy for people to be um, ignorant. Um, right. I was able to see just how easy it was for people to be in their bubble. You know what I mean? I saw how easy it was for people to dip and like dabble into black culture, but not really um, understand it. And that was happening oh, yeah. constantly in every collection it was happening and i was like oh my god aren't you guys sick of the same you guys are constantly making these streetwear looks i'm like they did this already in 2000 like right social media streetwear is
2: because someone wore it just on their own like yes, <laughs> <they're> yes. Not-
4: <laughs> So oh yo i was really i was really going through it in that sense and then the pressure of like social media and that was a lot of pressure and i think people um I don't think people realize that. And I was able to finally like make a post about it where I was like, (laughs) you know, um, it's nice that you guys are inspired by me, but um, I make mistakes and I'm going through things, you know, like everything ain't Mm -hmm. sweet over here. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. folks really thought like I was out here living it up, like in a mansion. And I'm like, just because I went viral doesn't mean my pockets went viral. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's a whole, <laughs> and, and the concept of supporting people on social media is, a, is like, where I've, I've gone through so many waves. I've gone through so many waves because it's, like, folks think that, like, clicking like is this, like, supreme version of support, and I'm, like, it's so interesting that I have all of these likes, but no one is buying, you know, from my website. No one is clicking on my website and, and purchasing anything yeah clicking like and I remember like it wasn't until no lie it wasn't until two months ago somebody was like yeah I have your pictures on the wall you inspire me and I was like somebody literally took the time to print out my designs and put that on their wall as inspiration Mm. and I it didn't hit me until that moment and I said this is a this I I find myself giving so much of myself on social media and receiving likes you know what I mean Mm. Mm -hmm. and it's not the same you know it's like the energy isn't fully reciprocated because people don't really know how to support one another um right we don't know and it's not just financial support it's it's more than that it could be tell me why you're inspired you know don't just save it to your your um you know how instagram you can like save things now like (laughs) yeah the bookmarks you'll be seeing all of them yep Yo, know, like I'll have a post up and it'll have zero comments and it'll be 43 people who saved it. So it hits me and I'm just like, mm-hmm. you guys at least told me what was so and ins- tell me why this, why are you saving it? Like reciprocate right. energy and it felt mm-hmm. that's gonna take a two week break from social media because people just take and take and take and it's like, oh, you're so inspiring. That's real. And I'm like, yeah, I'm exhausted too, <laughs> you know? No, nope, mm-hmm. that's so real. But the
2: timeline won't eat that up, right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, man. But there's a it's lot of... so interesting. <laughs> no, definitely. Everything you just said, all the nails have been hit on the head. I especially love what you were talking about. This is something that McKean and I talk about a lot. And also, you know, just in general, I think intersectionality is something that does not get talked about enough. Just in terms of intersectional feminism, even thinking about intersectional environmentalism, how everything literally interconnects in so many different ways. And sometimes they kind of want to pigeonhole you or put you in a box without understanding yeah. that all of these other things impact you and the way that you see the world. And I think, especially something that I wanted to ask you about as well, just from my own personal interest as well, because I'm studying sustainability and environmentalism. That's what my whole major is. Yes. You know, we love that. Sustainable yes, fashion. That's the eco gal herself. the eco gal we love to see it i love it i would love to talk about it because you know i was doing my little my little stocking and research for this interview (laughs) and i saw an, an interview that you had done where you were talking all about sustainability and fashion and i felt so inspired because that's something that i've been trying to preach on my platform is what you were talking about with how sustainability goes so much further than just environmentalism especially with sustainable and ethical fashion but it's also about the people and the social yes. implications. And that is such an important message to preach. And I just wanted you to talk a little bit more about it, just in terms of, first of all, what does sustainability and fashion mean to you? And just why do you think it's so hard for these brands to incorporate that social sustainability in their life? And just also thinking about, for anyone who might be listening, for us as well, the three of us as you know consumers of fashion, how can you be, you know, sustainable consumers of fashion? What's the advice for that within, you know, this capitalist society that we live in? Or, you know, where people are just trying to line their pockets, but not really caring about the people that they have to step on to get there or the environment that they hurt. Mm. So much there. that was a very loaded question that I just asked you. But in a nutshell, just sustainable fashion. Kai, what are your thoughts? Yeah.
4: Um, yeah.
3: And by the way, I love the work that
4: you're doing in sustainability. Like, I'm also inspired. <laughs> so sure. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but um like in terms of you know sustainability is funny because it's really a buzzword at this point and that's what fashion tends to do fashion has the ability to make something that is so important super 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 official. like mm-hmm. they can t- fashion can turn like the thing that can change the world into something that you just put on a t-shirt you know mm-hmm. so um like I've seen it, I've seen like the term sustainable on T-shirts, and I'm like, is that T-shirt sustainable, or is that a brand new T-shirt? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what exactly is sustainable about this? Um, also, at Parsons, sustainability has become a huge topic, especially towards the, the like latter part of my years there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I majored in fashion design for systems and society, and I was in one of I was in the only sustainable class for fashion design. <laughs> And it's funny because I was like, "Why is an all-fashion, sustainable design like, only one?" Was- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> class, and it was like you—you you had to make that decision. And sure enough, um, it wasn't that many of us. But um, I made that decision because I never thought of sustainability as something that was just environmental. Um, we live sustainable lives; like our lifestyle is a sustainable lifestyle. So. Um, mm when I was going to school, everything was about how can we use natural dyes and how can we make a garment that disintegrates into the soil? And I was like, that's cute. Yes. <laughs> people, people are, can, you know, natural resources go so much further than the earth. Like literal people are also natural resources. And so in terms of what I think about what I think sustainable fashion is, I think it's it has to be accessible to everyone and it has to be um it has to cross all of the borders. If you have ever realize, do you like, I've noticed that a lot of sustainable wear is extremely expensive. So like, you'll see things, yeah, yeah. That, you know, like things that are like $800 because it was made from, you know, water bottles. Like, okay. Like I get the technology and the invention aspect of sustainability, but like, why are we making this once again an inaccessible aspect of fashion? Like this should be the most accessible aspect of fashion. We have so many unused garments, it's insane. So like my um, page, Desire Discard, where I sell like um, just pieces, like this is a thrifted item that I'm wearing right now. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so like I'll like find pieces that I think are really cool and like I'll sell them on there. And then I also have um, collections that I put out like twice a year and it's called Human hue mm. men and i make all of my pieces um inspired by color because when i go into a thrift mm. store that's all i see i like as a like painter like that's the way that i organize my ideas so i have mm. two versions of of my sustainable wear which is human clothing and then my desire to discard which is just items that i find in the thrift store and i just sell them and then i have human where i actually go in and reconstruct items so once again, this is what it means to be layered and have access to multiple things because something on Desire right. to Scar, you know, is going to be half the price as a human piece because I didn't have to go in and cut anything. But that's it makes right. sense because yeah. the receipt on the clothing, you know, that's why this is the value of it. No one had to go in and, and um, you know, re-change anything. It was just a matter of finding what was valuable already in the store. Um, mm-hmm. When I think about sustainability, I think about recognizing the value and things that people normally deem as invaluable. People have done that with black lives for too many years. They do not recognize our worth. And it is time that we recognize our worth. So when I think about yep. sustainability, you know, when I think about sustainability, um, I think about just the the very natural way that we are. So, so you, I don't know if you guys do this, but like, my mom and I collect bags. So we don't throw away like our <laughs> bags. You know what I mean? We don't yep. throw away. Our Black bags. people
2: been sustainable.
4: Okay? And I graduated last year in 2019 and I'm still use I had I got so many flowers um from loved ones and I I dry those flowers, okay? And I use them in my bath water to this day. So sustainability mm-hmm. is a lifestyle, you know? Sustainability is so much more than um this idea that we have to make some sort of machine that can transform this garment into something that can disintegrate into the air. Like it don't ha- it doesn't have to be that deep, you know, Right, we
2: just got to be just, able to use it for a long time. <laughs>
4: right. Sustainability. It seems like sustain. in my opinion, sustainability is the, the most common sense way of, of approaching life period, you know, longevity, um, s- saving money. And it's unfortunate that, um, that's not aspirational. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not necessarily something that people want to invite into their lives because pe- people are so fixated on on things. It's, the way that we want to represent ourselves <laughs> is usually through things that are new, things that are fresh, things that have never been worn by anyone else, um, and expensive items. Or if they're not yeah. expensive, then something that's cheap but cute, you know? So it's kind of like... <laughs> having to and I'm I'm sure you know like having to navigate through that space and say actually like that's cute yes but like these are also some other options I mean I have friends who are like I'm never going into a thrift store I could never wear somebody else's clothes and I'm like okay mm. would you wear this and they're like yes I would wear that and I'm like it's from the thrift store put it on you right. know so like it's <laughs> And fashion, once again, is synonymous with the terminology of newness, right? And it always has been. So it's a matter of us changing definitions. And I always say this, but I'm so much more interested in a garment that's in his third life than a garment that's in his first life. I mean, like the garment that's in his third life is so much more interesting to me. I love to see little holes and I love to see the seam rip. And it's like someone lived in this so now here i am Mm. i can put this on and it's not necessarily that i'm living their experiences but there's a human quality to it and i personally love when things look a bit worn in Um, and i think it also represents the the world and the space that we're in right now like things are unraveling and we're noticing like shit is not cute like it's really not that cute out here things are not perfect Mm -hmm. um so and that also that's the other thing so in school as you guys know, like my first year, everything was about perfectionism, second year perfectionism. And then my junior year, I was like, okay, you have two more years left. This cannot be about your professors. This has to be about you. Like you're paying money for you, them. So I made, I made a huge decision to make that shift into a sustainable class. And this was the first year that they did it um, in my senior year, but I was making sustainable clothes already junior year because I just couldn't afford to go to the fabric um, district and buy the fabrics for whatever amount of money it was for yards. I was just like, I'm not about to um, spend all of my little m- lunch money on these fabrics. So I just went to Goodwill and that became my material. That was my foundational piece and all through junior year that's what it became and naturally it stopped being about what was perfect and it started being more and more about what just made you feel something you know we've lost that aspect of not just clothing but in music too and and, in so many aspects of our culture we lost what it really means to feel something things are just beautiful and it's like that's that's fine but like can we go like at least two levels underneath that you know so um It's a weird space because usually fashion is about glamour and about, you know, being perfect, but in my world is not.
2: (laughs) Mm, I love that. I think the the word of this whole episode for me is your emphasis on value and like redefining what is valuable and sort of, I, I agree, like it's beautiful when you see things lived through and like having like the experience and you imagine like where this has been and like how it's been worn like someone might have worn this on a first date like someone might like who knows like that's and that's an exciting thing and that's and it's cheaper like at the end of the day it's cheaper like which is more reasonable and more accessible so I I'd I love that perspective and I think you know this whole conversation has just like made me excited for you like I don't know what's to come for you I don't know what your plans are we would love to hear whatever you got going on I think, you know, as we bring this conversation to a close, like where do you imagine yourself like in your yeah. dreams, and whether it's five years down the road or like you keep referring to like 30 years or 40 <laughs> years from now, like where do you dream of being like, at, you know, whenever, like what's your dream?
4: Yeah, I am. So
2: right now, I'm writing two books because I
4: I used to do like these super long captions on Instagram, and I was like, people are not like reading this, or you know, people aren't responding to it. So I kind of like got really depressed, and I was like, well, if people are interested in my work, and I believe there are some people out there who really want to hear my opinion and my advice, I was like, I'm just gonna go ahead and go into author mode, like you know, boss up on them. So I'm writing two books right now, and they're both about creation so people have a lot of followers who do the same thing that I do um not all of them want to buy from me a lot of them actually just feel inspired by me and that's perfectly fine like i get that i'm here on this earth for that reason 5 years later i'm finally letting that be the case like i get it now mm. um it took me a while to to really understand the power of influence and inspiration especially on the younger generation you know people who are about to be really walking the earth in 20 years right writing two books um and i have faith that they will inspire free thinkers and they they will allow fashion to be a lot more accessible on their own terms so it's kind of like two how-to books so i have that going on and um and like i just mentioned so the human collection i have a human collection coming out in mid-september and um very soon this weekend and I'm going to be uploading a few pieces to Desire Discard. So there's that. And in yeah. terms, like of my five year situation, I'm really focused on my community, y'all. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of people are talking about politics and talking about, um you know, not having faith in the government. There, yeah, and like none of us, you know, really have faith in the government. People are like, I'm not right. voting because it. Doesn't difference and that's another conversation but i always feel like it's really interesting how we keep thinking that they have all the power when they know that we have the power technically like every time they have a million dollars it's just a million of us with 1 so it's like mm-hmm. the concept of unity and shifting of values is really what's been my my um frame of mind and so i'm yeah. focused on my community i'm going to a toy drive this weekend And I'm out here, like, posting flyers up about my human collection, about mental health, about voting and all of that. But what I'm doing is I'm mentoring a few people from the community yeah. and we are learning how to sew. So we're learning skills that no one can ever take from us. You know, yeah. I think like 30 years ago we used to have, you know, it used to be mandatory for kids to learn how to sew for kids to learn how to do woodwork and stuff. Now it's just yeah. like, yes. you know, everybody's robots. Now we're learning stuff that doesn't even pertain to real life scenarios. So I find myself just wanting to, um, do this because i am in and a lot of urban community sports have taken over so you'll see a lot of people um, putting all of their eggs in the basket of sports and i'm like why isn't it interesting that um you know most of our young dudes are like interested in sports but like also that's just the system but when it like a, a shift would be if you had a company or a mentorship program that was all about fashion design and about creating art. You'd see an influx of people who, are like, actually, I'm interested in that, or I've been waiting right. for that. You know, yeah. so I'm mm-hmm. I'm just literally creating opportunities that I wish I had when I was growing up. You know, yeah, we love it. We are so
3: happy. I'm grinning from ear to <laughs> ear. I'm thrilled. <laughs> This has been such a great conversation. Like words cannot, first of all, words cannot express how proud we are of you. You are such an inspiration from Parsons to all the amazing accomplishments, the you know the Tyra Banks, the <laughs> Janet Jackson as well. Yeah. So, so much great things that you have accomplished, but also maybe like one of the most inspiring things that I found about you, especially just how humble you are and how real you are and genuine. I think that's something that's so valuable. So we're going to be reading those books Bikin and I will be yep. reading the books. Thank you. Oh, yeah, we okay. will be, we'll be hyping you up. We are so, so here for it. So thank you for this conversation. You, to, bring, to bring this to a close, um, you know, a segment that Bikin and I love to do just to end our episodes, send things on like a high note, you know, inspirational, joy, uplifting, is to just talk a little bit about some of the things in our lives right now that are bringing us joy and that we're enjoying right now. So for me, I'm going to start. I have been rereading some old books that were like yeah. my favorite books growing up. Most of them were just like, honestly, like Greek mythology type of books because I was absolutely obsessed with that growing up. Greek mythology <laughs> was my thing. Oh all the recorded books, Greek mythology, um, Egyptian <laughs> mythology, all of it. I know I it was all. I was going to say, and then it like transferred into Kemet, yeah. but... Okay, so yes. we, we've
4: known each other in another life. We have. I, I can
3: feel. I've been feeling that this whole this whole episode. Wow. But yes, that is what I have been loving. Kai, how about you? How about you go next?
4: Um, mm, y'all, I've been vibing. Like music has been my savior. Like I've been in yeah. here. This- I've been really vibing and I'm, I just took my first DJ lesson as well. So, um, oh my God! DJ, DJ yes. Kai! Okay. I've been
2: wanting to learn how to DJ, DJ Kai yes. building. You go, girl. <laughs> okay.
4: Yes. Yes. So, vibrations are real. That's what it's been for me. That's we, crazy. I love it.
2: That's also weird. I was like, I was pre- I'm so glad y'all went first, first of all, because I could not <laughs> think of like something right on the fly. And I was like looking around my room. I see my, like, I have my piano, my guitar over there. I was like, you know what? That's yeah. all. That's literally what I was going to say. And you said music. And I was like, shoot, should I think of something else? But I'm like, no, no. that's really what it is. Like, listening to music lately, like, trying to learn songs that I love, like, it, or whether I've also been, like, I have this weird habit. I'm not, like, I've always been kind of a musician, but, like, never for real, for real, like, just for fun. Mm-hmm. And I've just been thinking of songs lately. So my voice notes are filled with, like, 30-second, like, ooh, I just thought of this. <laughs> One day, maybe I'll actually write them. Huh? Like
4: from like things you've written, yeah, they just come to mind. Like literally, just melodies oh, come to uh, my mind lately. I
2: don't know what that means, but I'm gonna record them on my voice notes for now.
3: <laughs> we love it. it. Yeah, that's it bringing me joy. Grow, yes, here <laughs> for you. it. Oh my gosh, my heart is so full. I thank love you guys. Kai. Too. Oh, we love thank you too. Girl, don't make me cry. Girl. I'm emotional. I'm a Cancer. No. Don't make me start. Girl, I'm a Cancer rising. <laughs> Kai, see fine. We will both cry. Oh, not the water signs. <laughs> love to see it. Okay. <laughs> but that is all that we have for you guys today on this episode. Thank you for tuning in. Special thank you again to Kai for our, being our special guest this week. Everyone, please go check her out on Instagram. You can find her at Mind of Kai. You can also find her at Desire Discard. Anything else you want to plug for the people? um my website which is shop.mindofkai.com
2: period go period. check that out <laughs> yeah so well, kai it has been such a pleasure like i really can't thank you enough for coming on today and i just hope that people not only like your stuff but buy your books buy your designs <laughs> buy your prints buy whatever yeah, you got good. going for you uh, beyond mm-hmm. the like double tap and also thank you guys for listening today um tune in next week where we have Lauren, Miss Raggedy Royal, a makeup guru and beauty. Artist that will be joining us to talk about like just the makeup world and what's everything that's going on over there because that's a whole other
3: conversation. That's a whole thing <laughs> yeah. on it so But yes thank you everyone. Make sure to keep up with us on Instagram at Black Girl Blueprint where you can send us any questions or discussion topics for our Read the Room segment or you can also email us at blueprint at gmail.com and if you like this episode let us know by subscribing leaving us a little cute review you know it makes us yep. feel a little special makes our day but a little five star you know a little (laughs) five star rating you know if you're really feeling it um (laughs) that's it see you all next week all right everyone bye Bye.
0: (laughs) who are you texting my therapist you text with your therapist text video chat call yep